Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. I thank God for you. I've been praying for you before this broadcast. As a matter of fact, uh, before I ever preach, I spend a very good amount of time in prayer. I also have a time of praise and worship before I preach. I want you to know I take these messages very seriously, and I'm thinking much about you and praying for you before I ever come on um, to broadcast these messages. Now, my friends, it is important for us to understand the nature of God. Listen, God has so many things that he wants for us, and they are all so very good for us. But there is something special that he wants for us that will change our lives. Now, do you know what that is? It is a deep, daily, growing confidence in him. And that's the title of today's message, what God has and wants for you. Confidence in him. This is part two of a brief series, what God has and what he wants for you. Confidence in him, part two. I'm pausing our study in Luke. And why am I doing this? It really is this. The reason is simple. I'm just caught up in our passage today, and it has it has ministered to me for so long, probably a good month. I've just been, well, longer than that, much longer than that. Um, but it, it's been, I, actually, I'd probably say it's been over the last year. But, you know, you something ministers to you for a while and then you move on and then it comes back to you. And uh, I would say for the last maybe two months, probably more accurately, the passage that I'm going to bring you today comes from Micah chapter 7 and verses 7 and 18 through 20. Those are going to be, so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Micah chapter 7. Now, one of the great Old Testament prophets, Micah, he was considered uh, a minor prophet. And that doesn't mean that the minor prophets are less important than the major prophets like um, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, that perhaps Daniel. It's just that those books have much more material. They're longer, and that's why they're called major prophets, whereas the minor prophets, their writings are uh, not as extensive. It doesn't mean major and minor that the major prophets are more important and the minor prophets are less. I hope that clarifies 
things. But Micah is classified um, under the category of the minor prophets. But Micah had this kind of a confidence in Yahweh. And my friend, God the Father wants the confidence that Micah had in him, he wants that for you and for me. And he has the ability and the means for us to have this kind of confidence in him. But here's the important question. Do you want this confidence? This rewarding, deep, daily, growing confidence in him? And if so, how badly do you want it? Listen, beloved, it is yours for the asking. It's mine for the asking. It's yours for the taking. It is mine for the taking. But how? How can we have this kind of a a rewarding, deep, daily, growing confidence in Him? And that's the subject of our message today. Again, I'm pausing in our study in Luke to to dig deep with us on this particular subject. It's not that I haven't even touched on these things in Luke's gospel. I have. There's no question about it. But I do, as a just for me as a preacher, I do like to pause and and do different messages from time to time as well. Now, I want you to know that it, for example, if you read, and we're not going to read it today, but if you read uh, Micah 7, verses 1 through 6, you can see that Micah lived in a society that was involved in anarchy. It paid lip service to God, but their hearts were very far from him. They were wicked. They they worshipped many other deities, and this had been going on for decades and decades and decades. Society was on the verge of collapse, just as like most societies throughout the world are today. And so it wasn't easy for, for to be a believer uh, in Yahweh then, and it is not uh, easy to be a believer in Jesus today, when it seems few others share our passion for him. Now, I said it isn't easy, but it is very, very possible and doable. I think of Daniel, who lived in Babylon, and yet this man of God was a powerful example of godliness to the Babylonians. So it is possible. It's very possible. It is doable to be a strong believer in a society that wants seemingly wants nothing to do with God. It was for Micah, and it can be the same for you and for me. So let's look again. So let's look now at at, uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 7. But before we open up the word, let's pray. Father, again, I'm so grateful for every single man, woman, and young person and child that is listening to this broadcast And now we come together in agreement. We ask that you would open the heavens and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have for us and not miss one thing. Now, Holy Spirit, we cannot get anything out of this message apart from you. 
And so we humble ourselves and we ask that you would fill us afresh to receive all that you have for us. Heal bodies, Lord Jesus. Save souls. Do miracles in this broadcast. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just look at this kind of confidence, my friends. Micah chapter 7 and verse 7. Now, Micah is contrasting the evil and the wickedness of those who have abandoned a true relationship with God. The economy is collapsing. The nation of Assyria is about to take over Israel and Judah. I mean, it's as bad as it can get. And yet, look at Micah's words. But as for me, Micah 7, verse 7, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for Yahweh. Yahweh uh, is uh, means refers to God as personal, active, and covenant keeping. I will, he says. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for Yahweh. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Micah was a man of God who was confident in him because he knew God's nature. Three times you see the word will in this one verse. Three times this speaks of certainty. And when when there's something that is certain, then we can be supremely confident in that certainty, whether it's in a person or an enterprise, whatever it is. Let me read it again. But as for me, what a contrast. I will watch expectantly for Yahweh. I know him to be personal with me, active in my life, and faithful to keep covenant with me. That's what Micah is saying. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What a powerful promise and what confidence. Now, I want us to see just some of the most striking verses in the entire Bible in verses 18 through 20. These verses are they're hard to match anywhere else in Scripture when it comes to describing the nature of God, how He relates to us, how He wants us to understand Him, how He loves us, how He cares for us, how He's concerned for us, how He can change us and transform us. And so Micah, whose name means who is like God, says this, or who is like Yahweh. And so he asks what is a rhetorical question, meaning he asks the question, he already knows what the answer is. He also wants us to know uh, what the answer is. He says, who is a God like you? Who is a God like you? Of course, the, the intent is that there is no one like you. 
who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession or inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He delights in that. He will, verse 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our fathers from the days of old. You notice again how Micah emphasizes confidence in God with the words will. Now, we need to go back over this passage because it is so full of powerful meaning. So he, he opens up verse 18 by asking this question, who is a God like you? And of course, the answer is no one who pardons iniquity. Now, the word pardon can also be translated forgive. The Hebrew word is nasah, which means to lift up, to remove, to bear and then to take away. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. He lifted up our, he, when we place our faith in him, he lifts our guilt and shame and sin. He lifts it up from us. He removes it. He's already borne it on the cross. And then through the blood that he shed in our place, he takes our sin away forever and ever, as we'll see further in Micah. Who is a God like you, who pardons, who forgives iniquity? Now, what is iniquity? We need to define that. The Hebrew word is avon. It's pronounced or it's written A-V as in victory, O-N in English. Or I'm sorry, in Hebrew, actually. And it, this is a serious word. It means to bend to someone's advantage, to twist in a perverted way, to distort, to pervert, to act or do wickedly. That is one category of the nature of sin. And yet God is one who pardons, who forgives iniquity, and he does it in the new covenant through the blood of Jesus who was crucified on the cross for your sin and my sin, my friend. But that's not all. Then Micah says that he passes over, that is in this act of forgiveness, the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession. The remnant, that means these are people who are godly but are still sinful. 
Now, what does that word rebellious mean? That's also a very powerful word. It's very important to define. The Hebrew word is pesha, which is P-E-S-H-A. And it means to rebel, to revolt, to break away, to offend. That's what we do when we sin in so many occasions. We are just out and out rebelling, revolting, breaking away, and our sin offends God. And it also ruins us. It ruins us. Maybe not immediately, but eventually it does. Now, then Micah celebrates in this what may be a song a hymn, he he exclaims, he does not retain his anger forever. And Psalm 30 verse 5 says that he his anger lasts for a moment. The, the Hebrew literally means a blink of an eye. And yet people always seem to think that God is always angry. But no, He tells us about himself, otherwise we wouldn't know that his anger lasts for a moment, the blink of an eye, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. That is an extraordinary insight into the nature of God. No wonder Micah was so confident in him. He does not retain his anger forever. Why? Because, the word because explains why. Because he delights. Now, the New American Standard Translation translates this unchanging love, but the Hebrew word is my favorite word in the Bible. And in my opinion, it is the most important word in the Bible because of the the pregnancy of its, the multitude of its definitions. The Hebrew word is chesed. It's how the Jews pronounce it, chesed. It's spelled H-E-S-E-D, and it means covenant loyalty. God delights in being loyal to us in his covenant. It means devotion. God delights in being devoted to us. It can be translated faithfulness. God is infinitely, perfectly faithful, and he delights in being faithful to us. It can be translated mercy. God delights in his mercy. He is infinitely merciful. It means steadfast love. God's love is steadfast. Ours is not, but he delights in this. And then it can also be translated favor. Listen, beloved, that is six different ways at least, of translating this beautiful, powerful word called chesed. And it the reason why I believe it's the most important word in the Bible is because it describes who God is and how he relates to us, how he wants us to relate to him, and how he wants us to relate to one another. That is why I think this word is so important and so significant. Are you with me? Are you leaning in? Are you listening carefully? He says he will again. So he he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in these things. He will again 
have compassion on us. The Hebrew word, another beautiful, powerful word is raham, R-A-C-H-A-M. It is a deep love from a superior to an inferior, a deep love. Wow. I'm telling you, the word of God is stunning, but and the nature of God is stunning. And then one of the greatest verses on forgiveness in the Bible comes in the second part of verse 19. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. What a picture. What a metaphor. that God. It's like God will stamp out our iniquities. He will tread upon them like, like um, in the wine press when they treaded, they stepped on grapes to crush the grapes and turn the grapes into liquid and ultimately into wine. And that's the picture of God stamping down and on our iniquities. And then it gets even more dramatic. Yes, you will cast all our sins, all our sins, all of them, not some, all of them into the depths of the sea. Now, the King James Version has the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, that is one of the greatest phrases, the greatest the greatest phrases in the English language anywhere, and it comes ultimately from William Tyndale and his translation. I'm sitting here at my desk and I have a picture of William Tyndale on the wall just to my left, one of the great heroes of the Christian faith who translated the Bible into English for the very first time for the people living in what is today Great Britain, who never had the Bible translated into their common language. It was only translated into Latin, and only the priests could read Latin. You think about this, my friends. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. What a prominent, powerful, compelling description of the nature of God who forgives our sins unconditionally through when we have faith in Jesus Christ. And then he ends his book by saying, you will give truth to Jacob. That word can also be translated faithfulness and unchanging love to Abraham. There is that word again, chesed unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. Let me just say this, my friends. The one major thing that destroys the world, and you can look around and see it everywhere, every day, is sin. Sin destroys the world. Sin destroys us. Sin affects our uh, affects us emotionally it affects the way we think it affects our bodies it affects our relationships sin brings about war and crime and devastation because sin 
Sin brings forth greed. It brings forth corruption. It brings forth violence. It brings forth stealing, theft. Everything you can think of comes from one single word, sin. Sin destroys us, and we need forgiveness of sin. But no human being can forgive all of our sin, and no human being can cleanse us from all sin. Furthermore, no human being can not only forgive us, but redeem us, restore us, renew us, revive us, and transform us. Nobody can do that. No God in existence can do it. No so-called God in existence. Only God the Father can do that through Jesus Christ the Lord. And what is awesome about this is God is willing to forgive us every single day of every single sin that we commit and restore us and transform us. That, my friends, was Micah's conviction and practice. That, my friends, is why Micah was so confident in God. And that, my friends, is God our Father's wide open invitation to us right here, right now, to have that same confidence in Him. Listen, it's not going to come just from listening to one message. It's not going to come just from reading these verses one time. But it will come day after day after day as we put this into practice. And the best way to do that, that I know how, is just simply to pray the Word of God. So I'm going to give you an example of how I might do it. I'm going to have to be quick because I'm running out of time. So I'm going to go back to verse 7, and I'm just going to say this, Father, as for me, I will watch expectantly for you. I will wait for you, the God of my salvation, and I thank you that you will hear me. Father, thank you for this truth in verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons or forgives my iniquity and passes over my own rebellious acts? Father, thank you so much that you don't retain your anger forever because you delight in chesed toward me. And as I was reading earlier in Psalm 86, your chesed toward me is great. You will again have compassion on me. You will tread my iniquities underfoot. You already have and you will continue to do so. Yes, my Father, you will cast all my sins into the depths of the sea, into the sea of forgetfulness. Truly, there is no one like you. You see, my friends, that's how I would pray verses like that. When you, when you, reading the Bible is, I, there's nothing better. But if you want to take it one step deeper, read it and then pray it. And that is when the Word of God gets deeply into our hearts. It changes our mind, which is renewing our mind. It builds our faith, and then ultimately it builds our confidence in God our Father, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Have you received Jesus and His forgiveness? 
so that you can have eternal life and know it. If you have not asked him, then pray this with me right this minute. Lord Jesus, pray with me. Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. Deliver me from my sin. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you right now from this moment on and forevermore. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And I will live for you. And I will serve you all the days of my life. Now, I also want to address something very seriously. I wasn't thinking about this. I wasn't even praying about it. But right before I came on the air, I had a sense that there are people out there that are ready to commit suicide, thinking about committing suicide. Don't do it in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every suicidal spirit, every suicidal thought in the name of Jesus. I bind the powers of darkness over you. Surrender your life to Jesus, my friend, and watch what he will do with your life. May his presence and power and love touch you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after Him in every way.